All right, thank you, preacher. Open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 26, wonderful preaching. Thank you, Brother Sutherland. Thank you for being here. What a fancy place for a camp meeting. My goodness, I can't even spit on the floor here. I, I've got to be real careful. And they got them tables in the back. Looks like a Dixie Stampede. <laughs> you can sit back there and eat chicken while the preaching's going on. Loved all the preaching I've got to hear. Thank you, Brother Gravely, for letting me come. Genesis 26, 15. The Bible says, For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. Abraham had been to this land 97 years earlier, almost a century before come for the same reason. Famine in the land of promise went to a place where he could survive. Isaac is back. His dad had dug some wells and the Philistines had stopped them all up. That's what Philistines do. That's what the ungodly do. Why would anybody do that? Hard to dig a well. Hard in a time where there's no excavators. and I don't even know if they had pulleys to take the buckets of earth out of that small enclosure where they're digging it out. And they finally got to water. Life-giving, refreshing, wonderful water. And somebody stopped it all up. Some of uh, us behave like Philistines. Somebody come home and say, well, I was out teen soul and we led three people to Christ. And we say, well, how many of them were sincere? I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if you're sincere. But if none of them were sincere and they went soul wing and, and you didn't, they're better off than you. People go over in camp meeting. Man, you should have seen the service Thursday night. Nobody even preached. I don't believe in a meeting where there's no preaching. You want to just uh, erase those 13 names from the Lamb's Book of Life? And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they digged in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerard did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. Interesting. They're the ones who stopped it up. They didn't do anything to dig it out, but once the water is flowing, they said, It's ours. First Baptist Church of Bridgeport went as pastor and now has wonderful people, a lot of good people, people anybody would want to have in their church. In fact, a lot of churches in town spend a good bit of time trying to get them. But they didn't want them when we found them. They didn't want them when they're drunkards and drug addicts living in wickedness, but God made some water flow. God gave them everlasting water and then somebody said, oh, the water's ours. They strove with him. Verse 21, and they digged another well. They called the well of that Essig because they strove with him. They digged another well. 
and strove for that also, called the name of it Sitna, and he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not, and he called the name of it Rehoboth, and he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. I want to talk to you a little bit this afternoon, and uh, I, I know that you're eager to hear Bo Wagner, and you're eager to have a little time at dinner, and I'm the only thing standing between you and that. I feel like the fellow who was so unlucky that when he finally got his kidney transplant, it came from a bedwetter. <laughs> so... I'll live by my motto. If you can't be good, be short. Lord, help me. Help me not to leave out anything you want said, not to say anything unnecessary, and empower me by your spirit, and give us a truth that will last our lifetime and encourage us for decades ahead. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice the titles in our story. They're significant titles. They meant something. Essek meant contention. They fought with that well. And Sitna meant enmity. They fought about that well. And Rehoboth meant plenty of room. And they didn't fight for that well. So Isaac had room in the land and was able to water his flocks and his herds. They were significant titles. But notice they were the same titles. He called them after the names by which his father had called them. You know, everybody's wanting to change names these days. Years ago, I saw a piece of stationery, and there's some big church in the, in the Kansas, and it said, uh, it said big letters, Christian school. And it said in big letters, uh, uh, Bible Institute, and then it said, in, it said so-and-so ministries, in little letters, it said Baptist Church. Uh, we're no longer First Baptist Church. We're First Baptist Ministries because we don't only have a church. I mean, we have a Christian school. We have a daycare. And uh, we have a, uh, an usher counting ministry and a kindergarten class. And we're really expansive. We have ministries. Hey, listen to me. I pastored the First Baptist Church of Bridgeport. Jesus didn't die for the ministries. He died for the church. Your church may have many ministries. That's fine. But you'll never be a part of anything more significant or valuable than a New Testament, old-fashioned, Bible-preaching, independent, soul-winning Baptist church. Oh, and I did say Baptist. Well, some people wouldn't go to a Baptist church. We're going to change the name. Well, some people wouldn't go to a church. That's why they changed that name, too. They just call it the river or the gathering. Well, why don't you call it the bar? A lot of people like that. Well, we're not a bar. Well, you are a church, aren't you? If you can be a church, say you're a church. If you can be that, listen, I'm independent fundamental Baptist. I have no objection to those terms. My friends want to use the words autonomous and orthodox. I don't care about that because independent is just an adjective describing how we behave. It's not the name of something I joined. Now, Brother Gravely would get in a little trouble because he behaved that way. And, uh, and uh, he said, I like this crowd, I like that crowd. I learned something from them here and something from them there. And you may not like that, but he said, he can do whatever he wants as long as it's not up against the Bible. And, uh, and I like the word fundamental. That's, that's about the orthodoxy of our belief. Uh, uh, but, but those are words describing what we do and how we operate. But that word Baptist is a Bible word. The Lord Jesus said, until John were the law and the prophets, but since then the kingdom of God is preached unto you. And every man presseth into it. He made a distinction between the old and new covenant in the person and work of John the Baptist. Uh, and if that doesn't convince you, let me ask you this. If I went to the Catholic Church and the priest sprinkled me, I would then become a Catholic. I went to the Lutheran Church and I was baptized there. That would make me a 
Lutheran. Uh, he's filming me. I'm going to be on bad preacher clips by this afternoon. I finally, somebody showed me I finally made it on one of those. I felt like I'd arrived when I finally said something to irritate some of those snowflakes. But you shouldn't have brought that up. Listen, when I was in the fourth grade, my public school art teacher slapped me in the face. There was paint on my face. We were painting watercolor. And she said, wow, don't you paint your face. I said, ma'am, I didn't do that. Helen Soika put that paint on my face. She looked at Helen Soika. Helen Soika got slapped twice, which is why I'm starting a podcast against art teachers. Oh, grow up. I'm sorry you were hurt, but you could be man enough to take it and go on. I went to the Methodist, went to the Baptist, church, or the Catholic Church. He baptized me. Maybe a Baptist, Lutheran Church. I got sprinkled there. I'd be a Lutheran. I went to the Methodist Church, and that lady baptized me. Then I would become a Methodist. Well, you tell me, was Jesus baptized by John the Catholic or John the Baptist? I'm a Baptist. I pastored First Baptist Church of Bridgeport. We started Bridgeport Baptist Academy. We had Bridgeport Baptist Child Care. We had uh, Bridgeport Baptist Institute. I don't mind. Uh, I, if you don't mind, I like to use the same title. Uh, some of us have been given honorary doctor's degrees. They're very nice. I really appreciate the kindness of the people who gave them to us. They're a lot like the curl in a pig's tail. They're really fancy, but they don't add an ounce of pork. I never use that title. I mean, the, the diplomas say all the rights and privileges pertaining thereto. I have no idea what they are. You know what I like to be called? Uh, say, what are, you, what are you now that you're not pastoring? Ah, you know what I call myself? R.B. Willette. I'm an itinerant preacher. I'm here one day and there another day. But you know what I like? I, I, I like being called brother. I don't like reverend. I don't like all that doctor stuff. Any old pagan can be a doctor. And a lot of reverends are pretty pagan themselves. But only a child of God can be a brother. Maybe we ought to use some of the same titles. Uh, we call people alcoholics when the Bible calls them drunkards. Uh, we want to call them uh, uh, misgendered or whatever when the Bible calls them sodomites if you don't mind I'll use the same titles as my fathers did but notice not only the titles notice Isaiah's tendency now you won't like this part he had a tendency to deference deference is defined as giving in to the wants and wishes of others I took a personality test when I was in college. I failed. <laughs> they had a little key in there. They asked the same question twice with 10 different questions to see if you'd answer consistently. I was the same every time. They said, if you answered the same six or seven out of the 10, it was a pretty good evaluation. I was the same every time. So mine was a really solid evaluation. I scored really high in autonomy. I scored really low in deference. The teacher, not knowing the results, uh, said to the now of mine, of my test, said to the class, if you scored high in autonomy and low in deference, you won't be here very long. You know what Isaiah said? Oh, you, you can have that. Well, it's all right. 
I'll go dig another one. Yeah. Why? Well, he was a wimp. That's why. He should have fought for that. Well, I'll tell you. No, I read it on purpose. Ahimelech, Abimelech said unto him in verse 16, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. You know what? A lot of what we fight about is stupid. A lot of the divisions in churches, who got which Sunday school class, whose kid got which part in the program, whose name was forgotten to be mentioned when the preacher thanked all the people for what they had done. Our daughter Carissa was five before our daughter Katie was born, and it's hard to teach an only child to share. She has cousins, twin nieces, were coming over. They're about eight months older than her. And we're trying to practice with that. Carissa, when the twins come, they want to have your doll or your toy. You just give it to them, be real nice and share. And we'd practice. I'd say, I'm Carissa. I want that doll. Uh, I'm, Kate, I'm Katrina. I want that doll. Carissa did great. She smiled and she handed it over and she said, you can have it. She did so well in practice. <laughs> then the twins came over. They were out playing Rook in the other room. I think that's Baptist Bridge. I'm not sure. And I heard, no, you can't have it. It's mine. I walked down the hall. Carissa, remember we practiced? <sighs> you can have it. I hear some preachers tell about how they told off some church member. And I'm supposed to be impressed with a man of God they were. And it just sounds to me like flesh. Yeah. 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 Isaiah had a tendency to deference. I, Paul Harvey told the story of an older lady in a Mercedes. Went into a parking lot, waited for a spot. It was very busy, and she waited patiently as somebody came out, and they put their packages in, and they got in the car. And, have you ever waited for somebody to pull out of a parking spot? They're in there, the lights are on, and it takes like three hours for them to move. What are you doing in there? It's not an airplane. You don't have 75 things on the checklist. Just put it in drive and get out of there. You can put the seatbelt on later. She waited till finally the car backed out. And just as she was about to back in, here come a young kid in a Corvette and he zipped into that spot. And she was really upset. She opened the and said, hey, you can't do that. That's my spot. He barely looked back as he walked away. He just said, sorry, lady, that's how it is when you're young and fast. He hadn't taken about three more steps and he heard. And he turned around and she had run her Mercedes in the back of his Corvette. Corvettes are generally made of fiberglass. Mercedes are made of sterner stuff. And his car fared the worst in that encounter. And there was his pride and joy, his most valued possession. And he said, you can't do that. That's my car. She, as she drove away, said, sorry, Sonny. That's how it is when you're old and rich. We like that story because it appeals to our flesh. But the Bible says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. But wait a minute. Isaiah not only had a tendency to deference, he had a tendency to determination. You know what? He needed water. If he didn't have water, his flocks would die. His herds would die. He'd be in worse shape than he was when he went to escape the famine. And he said, you can take that well, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to dig another well. Isaiah knew something that under the ground that water was that if he couldn't get it at one spot, he would get it at another spot. If he didn't get it at that spot, he would go to a third spot, but he was determined he was going to get water. And here is the truth. And here is the heart of the message. People will take your well. Yes. That's right. God bless 
Some of you dear preachers are here for a breath of fresh air and a few words of encouragement. Yes. And you're going to go home to fighting church members and people that want you out and unpaid bills and folks that have been holding back their tithe just because they hope to starve you out. Long tongue gossips, people that stare daggers in you when you preach the word of God and you're going to leave here after what I believe will be a glorious service tonight like the marvelous service we had last night and you'll be riding high but you won't be home five minutes and the phone will ring. All that joy and all that enthusiasm gone like somebody punched a needle in a balloon. They'll take your well. Some of you, you're here. And you don't know what you're going to face when you get home. And you're going to be home. Think of all the things you learned and all the things you're going to put in practice. And there'll be some crisis and some problem that you hadn't even imagined. And you won't be home a day before all of that excitement is gone. And they take your well. Some of you are here because somebody already took your well. And you love the music and you love the singing and you get excited and you say amen to Brother Sutherland's wonderful preaching and you have a good time. But deep down, you know when you go back home, it's going to be awful and you don't have any hope of that joy continuing. You wonder how you're even going to survive. Well, let me tell you something. They can take your well, but there's no way they can take your water. Oh, no, no. You can dig another well. Jesus said, if anybody thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He said, out of my belly shall flow living rivers of living water this spake he of the spirit and i got news for you it doesn't matter how many times they take your well it doesn't matter how many times they attack your family it doesn't matter how many times the devil comes and messes up your life you can always dig another well they can take your well but no way they can take your water I went to First Baptist Church of Bridgeport in 1975. We had crummy little buildings. Terrible piano player. Terrible. Worst song leader. He'd say, okay, number 32. And we sang all the verses of all the songs. And finally, after a little while, I said, brother, let's sing no more than three verses of a song. And so he picked all songs with three verses because he didn't want to say nothing. old pews that the shellac had softened over the years no air conditioning in the summertime your clothes would stick to the shellac and you'd stand up and go Whoop. but in the worst part the backs would become separated from the bottoms and the bottoms would sag but when you stood up they'd spring back and if you're the last one up they would grab you A couple old motel buildings that church had bought had been on US 10, Dixie Highway, was way up north before they built I-75, and they had space heaters surrounded by chicken wire and, and chunks of drywall falling off of the, of the walls and dirty cement floors covered with worms every time it rained, and that's where our children's ministries were. And I remember thinking, dear God, how am I going to get anybody to come to this church? I wouldn't come here if I wasn't the pastor. I got there in May and October. We showed a film called Thief in the Night about the return of the Lord. Showed it on Friday night and Saturday night. As it happened, it was the same day that some guy in Virginia had predicted the Lord Jesus was going to come back. So I called all the newspapers, radio stations, television stations. 
told him what was going on, and I got on the new news on the NBC affiliate. Wow, I thought this was great. You know, I was there. He thought I was saying Jesus was going to come back during our film. He thought he had a live one, and he's asking me those questions and trying to embarrass me on the news. We packed the house out both nights. We had 12 people saved. One young man and his wife got saved, young family. I talked to him about baptism. He's going to come back Sunday and get baptized. He never came back. I went to see him. He said, well, I went to work on Saturday, and I work with a guy who goes to First Assembly. The guy had never witnessed to him. But he said, I told him I went to First Baptist to Bridgeport and got saved. And he said to me, oh, the Baptists are good on the gospel, but they're not good on the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something, brother. If any man hath not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. You don't get it as a second work of grace. It's not an evidence uh, uh, of some, uh, some power. You get the Spirit of God the minute you get saved. You can be filled with the Spirit. You can walk in the Spirit. You can be led by the Spirit. But you are always indwelt by the Spirit if you're a child of God. <laughs> and he went and joined First Assembly, big, beautiful, impressive building, paved parking lot. We literally, on multiple occasions, had to hire a tow truck to pull people out of our parking lot after church. And I thought, man, I got the film. I did the advertising. I went on the television station and looked like an idiot. And they got the family. They took my well. When I moved to Saginaw, we had a welcome wagon. We'd come by and welcome new members into the community. This lady came to see us, gave us some little gifts from area merchants. We do not have a welcome wagon anymore. When I went there, Saginaw had over 100,000 and now is under 50,000. We just waved goodbye. But this lady called me up and she said, I'm not supposed to do this, but, you know, you're new and you're just here and you're Baptist. And this other family just moved in and they're Baptist. And, and I thought maybe you'd like to know about it. She gave us the address of Don and D. Workman. I went right over there. They were still unpacking boxes in their garage. I thought, wow, this is great. I found he wasn't just Baptist. He was independent, fundamental, soul-winning Baptist. I said, oh, man, that's great. You're new here. I'm here. You got to come visit our church. Always say, we already know where we're going to church. I said, you do. Where are you going? He told me the name of the church. Good. That's a good church. I said, why are you going there? How'd you already know about it? Well, he said, we wrote the sword of the Lord. Told them we're moving to Saginaw. Asked for a good church. That church at that time was pastored by Jack Hiles' son-in-law. I said, yeah, it's a good church. I drove away. I thought, how am I going to get come? Nobody visited. I got there first, and he's already going somewhere else. I went home. I canceled my subscription to the Sword of the Lord. I burned every book in my library by John Rice. They took my well. I would drive by these big, beautiful buildings of other churches, and I'd say, Dear God, they don't even preach the gospel. They're sending people to hell. And they got that. And look what we got. They took my well. I lived to see the day Don and D. Workman visited First Baptist Church of Bridgeport on Beat the Devil Sunday. We're trying to have 667 in Sunday school. We had 700 and some in Sunday school, 800 and some in church. They came back Sunday night and joined and stayed members of our church until they had to move for a job to Texas. Hey, they, they, they took my well, but they didn't take my water. And I lived to see the day when the First Baptist Church of Bridgeport had more property and better buildings and bigger buildings and bigger crowds and larger in every way than the First December of God church did they took our well but they did not take our water 
Gary Wilkins left our church, went off to Bible college, moved to Standish, Maine to start a church. Didn't know anybody there. He's friends with Brother Ness. You had a couple of years ago here. Started a church. First year, nobody came to any evening service. Not one person except him and his wife and his three boys. I would have never done what he did. I'd have had family devotions and gone home. He had regular church. They had song service. He led the singing. His family sang. They had an offering. His kids passed the plate his wife gave. <laughs> he preached a sermon. He gave an invitation. Met in the Kiwanis Hall. It was L-shaped. They had one crowd here and one crowd here. You'd stand at the corner and preach like this. He could have a church split and nobody had to leave. <laughs> years and years went by and he got a little piece of property and he built a beautiful building and they finally got a couple of buses and they hadn't hardly got them on the road and somebody came and burned both their buses. Now, if you know anything about New England, my dad was from New England. Uh, they're not warm and opening generally speaking you live there 20 years and they call you that new guy but the chairman of the school board called him up and said we got a couple buses we got rid of we heard somebody burn yours we'd like to give you these but we really can't do that would you like to buy these buses for a dollar each even our buses are worth a dollar each <laughs> And Gary Wilkins got $1,700 from the insurance company and two better buses than he had before and got the buses on the road. Sure, somebody burned his buses. Sure, somebody took his well, but nobody could take his water. Dick Snavely, pastor at the Calvary Baptist Church in Findlay, Ohio, was growing. People were being saved, and somebody hated what he was doing, and they set the whole building on fire, burned it, made it unusable, thought they'll stymie what was going on there. Dick Snavely found a gym to meet in, and he put an ad in the local newspaper, and he said, buildings burn, churches don't burn. Calvary Baptist Church will be meeting at such and such a gymnasium, and they grew better and had more people saved in the gym than they did in the building. Sure. Somebody took his well. Nobody could take his water. Tom Malone founded the Emanuel Baptist Church in Pontiac, Michigan. He didn't finish college. And he got convicted after he'd been there all out of finished college. And so he would drive on Friday after class from, from Cleveland, Tennessee to Pontiac, Michigan, drive through the night, no expressways, and be there Saturday and Sunday and preach and drive back Sunday night and go to class. He saw that church grow to run 3,500 a Sunday. They had 2,000 every week on buses and 1,500 in the drive-in crowd. Say, well, I don't think you ought to have that many on buses. Well, when you get your 1,500 driving crowd, then you can decide. Tom Malone was a dear friend of mine, but he probably, anybody who knows, would say he didn't transition well he'd bring in a new pastor when he didn't want a pastor but he said I'm the senior pastor and you've heard him say some of you I think that means if you want to you can if you don't want to you don't have to and if you wanted to he did the last pastor like that that came in things got really bad he tried to kick Dr. Malone out of his office take the college away from him stop his pension the school the church was giving him I got calls from the members 
One day that man left and they asked Tom Malone to come back at the age of 70, I think three, and take the Emmanuel Baptist Church again. His first Sunday back, they had 90-something in attendance and 60 of them came on a bus. They said, preacher, you must rope off some of these pews. He said, we're going to face those pews until we fill them. Here's what Tom Malone did. He got up every morning, ate breakfast with his wife, went to the office, did a little work, and then went soul winning. He went home, ate lunch, took a nap, and then went to the office a little bit, and then went soul winning. He'd go home, eat supper, and then he'd go back knocking on doors. And that church grew to an average attendance of 600 and big days of over 1,000. And there was a time the fastest growing church of any kind in the state of Michigan was pastored by a 75, 76-year-old man. Hey, somebody took his well. Nobody could take his water. Golden Blount was a preacher friend of mine. He pastored the Down River Baptist Temple, built a building back in the days when everybody was borrowing a lot of money and trusting inflation to make it possible for them to make the bond payments. They do graduated payments. Figured they'd grow, figured inflation helped. Well, his church had a split. And a part of the people were left to pay the bills that all of the people had incurred. Golden Blount took the people that were with him and found a modest little building to meet in. It was terrible. It was kind of one of those grim, we're going to hang on no matter what situations. And you think all the time, how could those people do that? What a terrible harm to the cause of Christ. What a damage to the reputation of God's church. How could they do that? One day he was sitting down by the Detroit River reading his Bible regular devotional time and he got to the end of the book of Job and he saw where the Bible says God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends put that word friends in quotes Zophar, Bildad, Aliphaz the ones who had accused him the ones who had condemned him the ones who had said he must be guilty of some great evil for all these things to happen God said to them, I ain't messing with you. If you want anything, you talk to Job. My servant Job will pray for you. And Job prayed for his friends and God turned his captivity when he prayed for his friends. And Golden Blount got convicted by the Spirit of God and he made a list of all those people and he began to pray for them every day. And it was hard, painful. But after a while, it got to be a little easier. And after a while, he got to genuinely wanting for them to experience God's blessing and be in God's will and have God's best. And about that time, the spirit changed in the church and folks started getting saved and people came. And I got to enjoy knowing Golden Blount at the end of his life when he's on the top side. Somebody took his well. Nobody could take his water. Father. I would pray that a long time from now, when we forgot who said it and where we heard it, you'd remind us of that little thought, hey, they took your well. They can do that. But you can dig another when you can get some more water. Thank you that we have a book that is described as water, the washing of water of the word. Thank you that we are indwelt by a spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, who's related to water in the Bible. Thank you that you have said the gospel is living water. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the water of life. Yes. So help us to understand 
all kind of things can take our well. But nothing can take our water. Able to be so in Jesus' name. Amen.